0: You had to be hidden up under a brick. You had to be hidden up under a brick to not know everything that has recently taken place. I mean, yesterday was horrific. Uh, I mean, even if you were on social media, you were able to see what was happening on social media uh, across the world. If you missed it, uh, in Virginia, there was a, um, a protest that was taking place in Virginia. There was a protest taking place in Virginia with the Ku Klux Klan, neo-Nazis, different things of of that fact because they were upset, they were frustrated that they were losing a monument what they considered to be a monument that was being taken down. Uh, in the city. They felt like, you know what, this monument no longer needed to be there. It was dealing with the confederate. It was disrespectful to certain ethnic groups of people and they wanted it removed. And so the neo-Nazis came and protested. It was just, it was just a horrible thing and before you knew it, the, the, the neo-Nazis and the KKK were protesting and then other civil rights activists that were opposing them were out there protesting. But uh, despite the fights and the riots and everything that took place, there was one horrific thing that happened that was all over the news. There was a group of innocent people that were just sitting there peacefully protesting, uh, dealing with Black Lives Matters, dealing with We Are All One. All of this was happening. They were walking down the street, and out of nowhere from behind, this individual that was part of either the KKK or the neo-Nazis I hadn't seen which one they've confirmed that he was part of, but he drove up behind them, basically full speed, plowing through the crowd. There was one young lady that died as a result of his actions. He's incarcerated, 20-year-old young man facing murder charges now, is incarcerated, and one young lady died as a result of their actions. And I, I, I couldn't help but to pray for this young lady and pray for her family. There are several people injured. But the, the thing that, that was very weird to me, that uh, here it is as an individual stands for white power, white lives matter, and the person that he ends up killing was white. The life that he ends up taking was someone who was white, not someone who was black. It was someone who was white who was standing up for what was right. That was the life that he ended up taking. The reason why that was so ironic to me is because it led me to understand that while we sit here oftentimes and make things out of a a racial tension, what it really is, is hatred. It's not... Black people against white people. It's hatred against love. That's the issue because the white young lady that died was a white young lady that was standing up for what was right, equality between blacks, white, Hispanics, everybody. So so I want to make sure that we understand we can't blanketly say all white people are bad. We can't blankly say all black people are thugs. We can't can't put that out there like that. But what I realized as a result of all the activities that was happening on yesterday is that hatred is the center of the problem. Hatred is what causes all the conflict, all the confusion. I thought about this hatred when I thought about Cain and Abel, how Cain was so frustrated and hated his brother for being uh, appreciated by God, for finding favor in God's eyes. What did Cain do? Cain killed Abel. I thought about it when I thought about... Saul and David, Saul was so upset that he lost the favor of God. He lost his anointing, and God had then anointed David that he was so angry and hated David so bad that he tried to kill David time after time, sat there and threw spears at him over and over again. I thought about it with the Apostle Paul when he used to be Saul. Walked around murdering Christians simply because of the fact that he hated what they stood for. Hatred is the biggest issue that we have. It's not the color of our skin. It's not if you're male or female. It's the fact that I hate you. It's the attitude that we have. And I've been struggling with preparing my message for all week. And the only thing I had before I even had a text is I had a topic. And the topic was simply what matters most. When we're dealing with the church, when we're dealing with ourselves as individuals, we have to come to an understanding of what matters most. What is the most important thing? I have been talking to people all week long. I've been talking, not the scripture yet, brother Dan, you can just stick with the picture. I've been talking to people all week long about what matters most. Why? Because people have an issue with coming to church because of how people are judging them about how they dress. People have an issue with coming to church because of how people uh, are judging them about what type of hair they have or who they're with, who they're not with, when really all of us should be coming to church simply to get closer to God because none of us are perfect in the first place. So as it relates to being a part of the Christian faith, as it relates to being a part of the church, we have to ask ourselves, what? matters most what is the most important thing as we're walking through life as we're trying to be and a living example of who Christ is as we're trying to show people that God is God what is the most important thing And apostle Paul I believe he teaches not only the people of Corinth and Corinthians first Corinthians chapter 13 but he also teaches us I want to read a couple of verses to you guys you don't have to get up you can stay seated but I want read a couple of verses to you because I think in this text we find what matters most and I believe that what we'll realize in dealing with what matters most is it's one of the things that we misuse the most amen listen to me first Corinthians chapter 13 verse 1 I'm going to read 1 through 7 I want you to find it in your Bibles or on your phone and as I prepare to read it just repeat after me say father God I'm here today seeking a word from you so open my ears that I can hear, touch my heart so that I will feel, and renewing me a right mind so that I will do. This is my prayer in Jesus' name. All of God's people said, Amen. amen. First Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1. When you got it, say, I got it. Let me read it to you. This is the word of the Lord for the people of the Lord. The Bible says, if I speak with tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I have become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Verse 2, if I have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries and all knowledge and I have all faith so as to remove mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. And if I give all my possessions to feed the poor and if I surrender my body to to be burned, But do not have love, it profits me nothing. Verse 4, love is patient, love is kind, and is not jealous. Love does not brag and is not arrogant, does not act unbecomingly. It does not seek its own, is not provoked, does not take into account all wrong suffered. Verse 6, does not rejoice in unrighteousness but rejoices with truth. Last verse, verse 7, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and guess what? Endures all things. What matters most? Apostle Paul, as he pushes through this text, if you can fast forward to verse 13, I love the way he ends this text. He simply says, but now faith, hope, and love Abide these three things. In other words, have these three things. Faith, hope, and love. But catch what he says at the end. But the greatest of this is love. What matters most? I remember growing up in the old school church, the saints would sing a song, Love Lifted Me. Love Lifted Me. When nothing else could help. It was love that lifted me. When I prepared this message and was finished and putting it all together, I couldn't help but to realize that before anything else, we experience God's love. The fact that he created us in his own image, we experience God's love. The fact that he gave us another chance when we sinned in the garden, we experience God's love. The fact that he sent his only begotten son that, so that we could have, a, so that we can have everlasting life, we experience God's love. God's love is the first thing that we experience before we experience his wrath, before we experience his anger, before he experiences his disappointment. We experience God's love. And Paul writes to these people. He encourages these people that if you're going to live for God, you have to live for God in a manner that shows that you know what love is. Why? Because God is love. The only reason that we have the life that we have now is because he loves us. The only reason we have the opportunity to worship him now is because he loves us. If he did not love us, he would have no need for us. We would not be here in the first place. What is the most important thing? Love. When a person walks through our doors to fellowship with us, it's not about what they have on, what their hair looks like, how much money they have in their pocket. It's about the fact, do they need love? We pass by so many people, and instead of loving them, we spend time laughing at them. We deal with so many people in our day-to-day lives, and instead of loving them, you know what we do? We lie on them. We can do everything else except the one thing that God has asked us to do. When I think about what has just happened in Virginia, that was nothing but a bunch of hatred, no love. That's what allowed that type of action to be done. Where there should have been love in the heart, it was filled with nothing but hatred. It wasn't about the color of their skin because there were people with the same color of their skin walking with people out of love. It was simply about the fact of how much they hated themselves, how much they hated others. When we deal with what happened in Virginia, we saw hatred at its highest point. We saw the effects of hatred where all it does is it ruins the lives of others and the person who caused the hate. That man is in jail right now. And I don't care how much his neo-Nazi brothers back him and high-five him, they're not in jail with him. He sat here for something that he thought he loved. He sacrificed everything. And now at the age of 20, he will lose it all. Some innocent person that did nothing to them except stand up for what was right has now lost their lives simply because of hatred. Hatred destroys everything. You cannot allow yourself to exist with hatred in your hearts, malice in your hearts, and still plan to be successful. It's not going to happen. Wherever you allow hatred to take root, it's like a cancer. Many of us have not moved forward in our lives, in our relationships, with our friendships, with our spouses, on our jobs, because we're so filled with hatred. Now, to catch this, the problem is that the hatred is affecting you more than it's affecting anybody else. I want you to think about that. These people were just walking. They were doing their own thing, minding their own business, doing their peaceful protesting. And this man was so angry and frustrated and full of hatred inside, he jumped in a car, made a conscious decision that I'm going to plow over people like they're grass. Hatred affected him so bad that it messed up his train of thought. He didn't think about, am I going to prison for the rest of my life if I do this? All he thought about is that I hate them so much. I'm so angry with them that all I want to do is cause harm to them. But in the process of trying to cause harm to someone else, you know what happened? He caused harm to himself. This is why I think love is so important. I thought about the same process. I was like, this couldn't be a coincidence. And when I thought about it, I thought about again, Cain and Abel. Cain was so angry, hated his brother. And because of his anger his hatred, he caused harm to Cain, to Abel, but then turned around and it caused harm to himself. He was pushed away. He was shunned. I thought about it throughout the Bible over and over where people have been full of hatred and anger and how what happened, what they thought would turn out for their good actually turned out for their bad. We have to find a way to understand what love is i want to make sure that you understand the importance of love and i love how the apostle paul writes in the text he shows us three things that some of us put on high pedestal one of them is our gifts the second one is our knowledge and the third one is what we do and he shows us in the text, you might not believe me, so I want you to write, walk, walk with me. Verse 1, the first thing he says, If I speak with tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, guess what he says? I have become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. What is Paul saying there in the text? He's saying that it does not matter how gifted you are. If your gift does not operate in love, It's worthless. Many of us think just because we, we do things, just because God has blessed us with a voice. I know some of the greatest people that can sing, but there's no love in, in their voice. It's full of anger and frustration, and, and their, their music doesn't go too far. People want to hear some positive things sometimes within their life. Uh, The blues can only make me feel good for when I'm down. I need something that's going to lift me up. I need something that's going to make me feel better about who I am. And so here it is in the text, Paul says, if you can talk like a man and talk like angels, if you can speak in tongues, but you don't have love, you are worth nothing. Doesn't matter how gifted you are. If you don't operate your gift in love, it has no value. Catch this verse two. Verse two goes on and says, if you have the gift of prophecy and know how to uh, and know all mysteries and all knowledge and have all faith, so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. So, Paul, you're telling me if I can come in here and I can look at somebody and God can speak to me and I can tell them what God is telling me about what's going to take place in their future and I'm strong enough in my belief system with God that I can tell a mountain to move and it moves, but I don't have love. I am worthless. I'm worthless. I have nothing. I, I have nothing to offer, but I'm so strong in my faith. I'm so strong in my faith. Can't nothing shake me. Can't nothing move me. But because I don't have love, I'm worthless. Verse three. Verse three. And if I give all my possessions to feed the poor, and if I surrender my body to the burnt to the to be burnt, but do not have love, it profits me what nothing. So God, I can give every bit of my check. God, I can do. Everything I can help everybody on the street, but if I come before you without love, I'm not gonna get anything. So if I give just because somebody telling me to give and I don't give as a cheerful giver with love, I'm not gonna get the windows of heaven opened up to me. I'm not gonna receive everything that you're offering me. Paul, are you telling me that I could do everything else the Bible says, but if I don't do it with love, I have nothing? I don't know if y'all caught this, but when Paul is talking in the text, it seems like he's talking to church folk. He says if you speak in tongues, that that sinners don't speak in tongues, that's church folk. He says if you're prophesying, sinners don't prophesy, that's church folk. If you have all knowledge, uh, that's church folk. And if you give, expecting it to be given back, that, that is church folk. Why does Paul address address the church folk in this text? Because in the one place that's supposed to exist with much love, (laughs) somehow we come here and find no love. The one people that should be full of faith, hope, and love seem to be empty of all of it, especially love. Somehow when we got ourselves Holy Ghost saved, water baptized, fire on the inside, somehow when we reach that point, we begin to have zero tolerance for everybody else. If you ain't living right, if you ain't going to the light, I don't want to talk to you. You, you ain't got no right to be a part of my life. When God has equipped us in calling us out of the world, he's equipped us to do what? Go right back into the world to go back into the world as a living, walking example of God's love. People should be looking at you talking about why are you are always so happy? Why do you have nothing but positive things to say? Why do you see the good where everybody else sees bad? And you should be able to say because of the fact, I live in love. But sometimes people don't even know who we are. Or where we stand because our fruit doesn't look like what it's supposed to look like. We don't resemble the love that God is expecting us to resemble. And this is why. I believe we have a problem, and this problem starts at birth because when we first are born, our parents, the first thing they say, ooh, I love you, you are so cute, and this word holds value. And then what happens is we get older and we say I love you all the time, and then what takes place is that when the first male or female outside of our family tells us I love you, what? We just want to fall heads over heels because why? Because they use this four-letter word that has so much power, I love you. Love has power, but it also has power to manipulate people and cause people to do the wrong things when they think they're doing the right. So if people can use love for the wrong purpose, why can't we as believers use love for the right purpose? Why can't we take love back, take the power of love back? The same love that caused God to create everything from man just in the right order so man can exist the same love that gave us a safe place and even when we messed up is the same love that says, you know what even though I have to put you out I'm doing it for your own good I'm doing it because I love you and I don't want to see anything else happen to you the same love that says you know what I'll never leave you nor forsake you it doesn't matter what you're going through it doesn't matter how much you turn your back on me I'm still going to be there the same love that says you know what I'm going to give my myself so that you can live the same love that says I'm not going to give you a part of me I'm going to give you all of me I'm not going to pull back some of me I'm going to release every bit of me so that all I have to do now is I love you so much I'm just going to wait on you to get right I'm just going to sit there and wait on you To accept me. Behold I stand at the door and knock. If anyone allows me to. I'll come in and dine with them. And they can with me. The same God that says I have all power. To take control of you. But I love you so much. I'm going to allow you. To make your own decision. Because I love you. Why can't we. Exhibit God's love. Why are we willing to receive it. But not exhibited. I have a couple of facts that I think is the problem is I think the problem with many of us is that we haven't truly experienced love. We've experienced flickers of love. We ex- experienced lights of love. We experienced a bunch of like but not enough love. And there's three areas of in your life I need you to understand and I need you to receive that each of us should experience love. Each of us need to experience love. The first experience that you should have before your mama loves you, before your daddy loves you, before your your boyfriend or your girlfriend or your husband loves you. The first experience that you need to have is God's love. I want to make sure that you understand something, especially all the ladies up in here. A man can't love you if he don't love God. Fellas, it goes for you too. A woman can't have love for you if, if they don't love God. See, God's love is the definition of love. That, that is like the start point of where it begins. See, prime example, football season has kicked off. Everybody was so crunk about Ezekiel Elliott and how everything finished off for us last year, and we were ready to come back. Everybody already got their Super Bowl jackets and hats. they ready to go. It's going down. We already know it's going to happen. But guess what happens? Ezekiel Elliott gets in trouble. Right now it looks like he may be suspended for six games. We got a couple of running backs coming behind Ezekiel Elliott. But guess what? It's an issue because when we look at them, they're not Ezekiel Elliott. Why do we compare them to Ezekiel Elliott? Because Ezekiel Elliott sets the bar. He sets the bar so that I know what I should be expecting from everybody else. For us as human beings, what we have to understand, God sets the bar. God sets the bar for love. If you truly want to know what love looks like, then you have to know how God's love looks, because the Bible will show you exactly how God's love looks. The Bible just told us: love is patient, love is kind, long as love, suffering. It does not. It's not jealous. It's not envy. It does not cause harm. All of these, that that is God's love. If you are with someone or going through something with someone that does not love you like this, can I help you wake up today? They don't love you. They might like you. They might need you, but they don't love you. I want to be real with you. If somebody wants to put their hands on you, they don't love you. If someone wants to use their mouth and call you out of their name and put you down, they don't love you. When has God ever called you out of your name? When God has all power to take your breath away, when has he knocked the breath out of you? When God sees you knocked down, when has he ever put his foot on you to keep you there? God's love is that no matter what you do to me, I'm still going to do right by you. I'm still going to do right by you. Why? Because I love you. So I want to help somebody today that if you think you're in love or you're seeking love, the only love that you need to seek first and foremost, that you need to make sure that you have a full understanding of, is God's love. If you don't know God's love, then the next two loves that we have to experience will never come or you will miss them when they do come. Because sometimes we'll confuse ourselves and think that love is about how much money they can put in my bank account. That ain't what the text says. Sometimes we'll confuse ourselves about love is about how they look and how they make me feel. That ain't what the text says. We'll get so caught up in all the wrong things and as a result of it, we will continually miss out on everything that God has for us. The Bible shows us what love is. And if you really want to understand love, experience God's love. I need you to learn how to experience God's love because if you don't experience God's love, then you can't go to the next level. We have to not only embrace God's love, but the second level that we have to do after we embrace God's love is we need to establish self-love. We need to establish self-love. I want to help somebody. We're going to be dealing with, on our Wednesday night, uh, emotional growth. And and I need you to understand that as we move forward, you can't love nobody until you love yourself. And the problem is you can't love yourself until you understand that you have to love the one that has created you. I want you to get something. Listen, I was a horrible guy. I hadn't talked about this probably since I left the other church, uh, since we left our other building. But my wife... She went through a phase where she, she wanted to go this natural thing, and I was all about that creamy crack. I, I wanted it laid, fried. I needed it to bloop. I think my favorite thing was a bob. I had to have it. It was just my thing. I loved the way it cradled her face, them little Chinese cheekbones. I used to love that thing. And, and the thing is that she wanted to go natural, and I was not supportive. It was like, no, mm-mm. I don't want to go through with it. I, I can't. I can't stand it. Your hair is not gonna grow. It, it's gonna look funny. It's, it's gonna be all twisted up and matted. No, you're gonna have naps. That was the thing. You got naps. I I don't wanna rock with it. She's like, no, that curls, no, they are naps. You know where we come from. You know what those things really are. And I, I couldn't get with it. I didn't, I didn't wanna rock with it. And and so the first time she did it, I was very unsupportive. And and it brought her to tears. It brought her to tears where she went back and she put the creamy crack back in her head. She went and put the perm back on later than Friday. Why? Because she loved me so much that she didn't want want me to, I think she said I was throwing a shade. She didn't want me to throw throw her shade, and so she did whatever she had to do. But there came a time where she woke up, and she was like, you know what? If he really loved me, he'll love all of me. And I don't know when she got that revelation or when God spoke to her heart and came to her, but I do remember the day that I came home, and her hair was cut again, and I looked at her like, hey, hey, whoa. What didn't happen? And she gave me a look and said to me, listen, if you're going to either like it or you're going to leave it. It was that simple. I was like, uh, let me think about it. I didn't really need to think about it because I knew I wasn't going nowhere. Uh, my daddy used to play a song back in the day, it's cheaper to keep em. And I wasn't finna go go through all this. I I just had to learn how to live with it And, and what it caused me to do, it caused me to question myself, do I really love my wife or did I really just love the way she looked, love what she does and it made me have to what? Fall in love with her all over again. I had to fall in love with her all over again because I had to look past the outside because come on man, if we could be honest fellas and even ladies, the reason that most of us talk to the people that we talk to is because we get attracted to their outside. And, and nothing's wrong with that. It's okay to be attracted to the outside. Many of us come to churches because we're attracted to it from the outside. But the reason why we should stay with it is because of what's on the inside. That's, what, that's the reason why we stay with it. That's what makes it worthy of keeping. That's what makes it worthy of holding on to, being a part of, making ties with, is that I have foul, fallen in love with what's on the inside. The reason my wife was able to handle me in such a manner is because she didn't need my love to be, uh, to make her approve of herself. All she needed was God's love and self-love. This is the reason why she can make the statement either you're going to love it or you're going to lead it because she knew I love myself. And at the end of the day, I have to be happy with myself. Now I'm in love with her her more than she is. She want to cut it and change it. i am be smelling it and messing with it. It's like, no, this is my hair. Don't mess with my hair. I mean, you know, leave leave it alone. I like the curls. I like it. And and somebody say something about naps. Now I'm like, baby, you better get them. You better get them, baby. You got to know what it is. The reason is because I've fallen in love with her for her. I've fallen in love for her, for her, but in order for me to do that, she had to what? First love herself. I would have never loved her right if she didn't love herself right. I want you to understand this because you're not going to find the love you're seeking until you know the love that you deserve. And when you've experienced God's love, then God's love teaches you how to love yourself and in a matter of teaching you how to love yourself, then you will know the limitations on what you will deal with and what you won't deal with. Why? Because I love myself enough not to put myself in harm ways. Many of us don't love ourselves enough because we do things every day that will put us straight in hell. If, if we do it this right this second, God will kill us the next second, and we'll go straight to hell with a do not repent, do not go to, go to heaven card right then and there. Why? Because we make selfish sacrifices With our own life, we play Russian roulette with our life. Why? Because we don't love ourselves. If many of us thought about sin in that manner that every time we make a conscious decision of sin, we are sitting here playing with a a revolver, acting like we're going to kill ourselves, trying to see if we're going to make it, many of us will stop sinning. Because of the fact that we don't want to sacrifice our life in that matter. Listen, after you have had an understanding of who God is and how much he loves you, after you have realized that you have your self-love that you have to deal with, the next thing that you have a responsibility to do is that you have to endow others with love. You have to be willing to share love with others. Endow others with love. If you're not willing to share love with others, then you were not worthy of receiving God's love in the first place. This is the reason he calls you to be a disciple. He looked at the life of his disciples. He pulled them out from amongst their family. He says, listen, if you're going to follow me, you got to leave everything behind, everything you know how to do. Leave it and come and follow me. And as a result of them leaving it and coming follow him, what ends up happening? He builds a relationship with them. He feeds them. He loves them. He nurtures them. Why? Because there came a time where he needed them to go out and be a living, walking example with somebody else. Listen, the only reason that God has loved you is not just for you, but because he needs more people like you to look like him so that therefore he can receive more of his people back. God is doing a repo on all of his souls. He wants all of his souls back and in order for him to get his souls back, he has to have a repo man that's going to come out there and he's going to fight whatever's going on and try to claim that thing back. Don't act like y'all ain't never seen a repo man before. He, repo man is a strong, he ain't just no average tow man. A repo man goes to the hood in the middle of the night. A repo man will hook up to you and pull you off and you ain't even realize that he didn't Got witches so quick and took something back. God is calling some of us to speak, be spiritual repo men and women to reclaim the souls that belong to Him. But we can't do that if we're selfish and not operating in love. We're so busy caught up looking for our blessing that we can't even be a blessing for somebody else. Let me tell you something. This just happened to me this week. It's just God has just blessed me. Listen, I had the ability to be a blessing to somebody else, not even looking for a blessing in return. Just wanted to help somebody else because I was in a position to do something. And God has opened doors after doors after doors where people have been a blessing to me this week just like that because of what I've done to other people uh, for other people I want you to receive that that if you're sitting around waiting on a blessing to come to you you may just miss it because oftentimes God throws his blessings in motion y'all need to watch football receivers don't just stand in one spot waiting for the ball to get to them they are running their route they're doing what they're supposed to do and as a a matter of them doing what they're supposed to do the ball is coming to them it's on a timing route and it, it, it requires them to get to a certain place in life, and I promise you, when you get to where God wants you to be, the delivery will be right there, but sometimes we're sitting there expecting God has handed off to me. You're not a running back. Get from behind the quarterback. Get out on the front line. Do what you're supposed to do so that you can get in the place where you're supposed to be so that you can receive what God has for you. God is calling us to step to the streets. God is calling us to be his voice, to be his heart, to be his hands. But we are so selfish because the only thing we're looking for is what can God do for me? Have God not done enough for you? Has it not sunk in that you don't have to wake up every morning? That you can die at any time? Has, Has that not registered with you yet that nothing's promised to you at all except what God has already offered you? I don't know if it's just me getting old or what, but I go to sleep not expecting to get up in the morning because it's not promised to me. When I close my eyes, I like closing my eyes, being fully at peace. Because it's not promised to me. People die every day of all ages. Just had a pastor call me the other day. A woman gives birth to a baby. No issues. Gives birth to a baby. They put the baby in the crib. Two minutes later, the baby dies. How do you explain that? Not a stillborn where the baby dies in the womb. The baby was alive, breathing, crying, kicking, Two minutes later, the baby dies. If God can take the life of a baby for whatever reason, at that moment, he can take yours too. Too often we think that God owes us something when he owes us nothing. I need you to learn how to receive God's love. I need you to experience God's love for what it is. I need you to start loving God yourself. Because if you can't love yourself, there's no way possible you can love somebody else. And once you have mastered loving yourself, now it's time for you to open yourself up to love somebody else. The reason why so many of us end up in bad relationships over and over again, because we don't give ourselves time enough to heal and love ourselves. Can I be honest? We don't give ourselves time enough to heal and love ourselves. We're looking for somebody else to fix the problem for us. You have to get to a point where you love yourself. I want to help you understand something we're going to get out of here on today. I want you to help, I want to help you understand ident- identify the characteristics of love. That's what it's all about. I want you to help identify the characteristics of love because love is what's going to cause you uh, to know not to make the same mistakes, to know who loves you and who doesn't love you. You have to know the difference. I posted this a couple of weeks ago. You have to know the difference between someone who loves you and someone who loves what you can do for them. There's a big difference from someone who loves you and loves what you can do for them. And so I want you to understand, one of the first characteristics I need you to understand is love isn't selfish. Love isn't selfish. If you don't believe me, it's in the text. Let's look at verse 4. I want you to see the characteristics of selfishness. Verse 4 says, love is patient, love is kind, love is not jealous, love does not brag, and, and is not arrogant. Those are selfish qualities. If you're not patient, you're trying to rush somebody. Why? Be- because of the fact that you are worried about your time, what you're going through. If you're trying to make somebody do something before they're ready, that, that's not patient. Love is kind. So love don't say bad things about you. Love don't cuss you out. Love don't, don't talk about you behind your back. Love don't put you down. Love is not jealous. Love has no reason to be jealous of anything or, or try to have conflicts or co- and confusion in your relationship. Love does not brag and is not arrogant. Love does not walk around and say, oh, look what I did. I bought you this. I bought you that. Yeah. That's not love. I, I, I need you to understand this. This Bible was written before we were born, and it helps us understand what love is? This is God's definition of love. Love is not selfish. If you are around someone that is being selfish and they saying they love you, you need to tell them real quickly, no, you don't. No, you don't. Y'all better talk to First Lady Tip. She'll tell you in a minute I may come mad and don't do what she want me to do, and i tell her, baby, I'm sorry, I love you. And it's the first thing, no, you don't. No, you don't. And she said, like she don't plan on sleeping in the same bed with me the same. I'm like, what do you mean? No, you don't. You you my wife. I love you. And she said, no, because if you love me, you wouldn't make things hard on me. I don't like going to the doctor. We need to go to the, I need to go to the doctor to make sure my insurance go down $20. I said, you know what? I'll just pay you the extra $20. She was like, why are you going to give me extra $20? All you got to do is go to the doctor for 15 minutes. I don't have 15 minutes to get to the doctor. Threw up a whole little fit about it. And then she said, she got upset, and then I said, you know what, babe? I'm sorry. I love you. No, you don't, because if you loved me, you wouldn't have made it hard on me. You would have just simply did what I'm asking you to do, and it's in those times that I have to check myself, and you know what, and understand that right now, I'm not functioning in love. Right now, I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm not, I'm not working together as a team player. Love is not Selfish. My desire not to go to the doctor is my own selfish desire. I don't like sitting there. I don't like being around people coughing. I don't like filling out all that paperwork. That's that's a selfish desire of me. But if it benefits my family to go, then what? I should go. Because if I love my family, I should do what I need to do to benefit my family. I want you to understand something. Many of us love people the way we want to be loved, but we're not loving the people the way they desire to be loved. When you say you love someone, it's not about you. It's about them. When you say I love you, it's about I want to make you feel good. I want to make your life easy. I want to make your life better. What? God so loved the world. He says he loves us. What does he do? That he gave his only begotten son. Because he loved us, he gave us something. Why? So that we can have a better life. When you love someone, you can't be selfish. Why? Because love requires you to sacrifice. Love requires you to sacrifice. The second point I need you to understand is not only is love, love isn't selfish, but love isn't destructive. Love isn't destructive. Look at verse 5. Love does not act unbecomingly. It does not seek its own. It's not provoked, does not take into account Wrong suffered. So love, don't come back and say, you know what? I, was, he, I made him mad. That's why he hit me. No, love does not act unbecomingly. Love doesn't say mean things and cuss you out and talk bad to you and make you feel like you want to kill yourself and then come back 20 minutes later and say, baby, I'm sorry. I love you. That, that's not love. That unbecoming behavior is not love. Let me help you understand something. That is a sign to run. If you're treating me like this now, imagine how you would treat me when you know that I'm all yours. When you know I have no other options. That's not love. The behavior that this young man exhibited getting in his car revving up his engine and running down that street, that was not love. Even if he wanted to say, I love my country, what you did did not benefit your country. It actually hurt your country. It has divided it even more because of your actions. But you love your country. Love does not act unbecomingly. We have to understand, we have to stop misusing this word love. Love is not a band-aid that you just put over a scar. Love is a lifestyle. Love is a manner that you which you should live. So we should, not, we should understand. Love isn't selfish, love isn't destructive. Guess what else love isn't? Love is not manipulative. This is in the text. Bible says, verse 6: love does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth. So all of us are dealing with people that want to study lie to us, that want to study try to run game on us to cause you to waste your time, to cause you to get all caught up in your feelings and be disappointed when they don't carry through with what they're supposed to do, I need you to realize love does not try to manipulate you. Love doesn't play mind games. Love is straightforward. Love is honest. Love doesn't get happy about when they get over. Love gets excited about when we're operating and living in the truth. When we're doing what's right, not just when you're doing what I want you to do. Love is about, you know what, even when things don't go my way, I'm still okay. We have to really be able to identify these characteristics. Not only is love not manipulative, But I want you to understand something, and this is the biggest one. I need you to grab it. I need you to hold on to it. I'm not telling you to stick with somebody that you ain't supposed to be with, but I am telling you that love is not a quitter. Love doesn't quit. Catch this last verse, and we'll get ready to get out of here. Verse 7, it says, Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. You know the reason that most of our parents are still our parents and hadn't tried to give us up for an adoption is because they love us. When you have done wrong to your parents, you have stole from your parents, you have lied to your parents, you have mistreated your parents, and they are yet and still there, they're there because of what? They love you. Steady hoping and praying that things are going to change. The Bible says that they love hopes all things so the study, hoping that one day this, this stubborn, hard-headed child of mine is going to get their life right. One day, this child is going to turn around and going to make something. Love hopes all things. What, what does that mean? Even when I see nothing to produce good quality coming from him, I still believe that something is going to change. I still believe something is going to change. Love Bears all things, which means that when times are good or bad, I'm still right there. This is why when people get married, you say for better or worse, in sickness and in health. Why? Because I need to know that when times get rough, you're still going to be here for me. Listen, if my wife didn't love me, we wouldn't be together today. Because she had to hope some things and she had to bear some things and endure some things just so that we can get to where we need to be. I want to tell you something, church. If I didn't love God and I didn't love this church, we wouldn't be here today. Because I every Sunday, every Monday, every Tuesday, every day of the week that I have to wake up, I have to hope some things. I have to believe some things. I have to endure some things. Why? Because I believe that one day things are going to turn around. Love lifted me. Love lifted me. When nothing else could help, love lifted me. If you want to know how to change something, it's not about how loud you talk. It's not about how much you yell. It's not about how much you beg. It's about how much you love. How much you love, how much much love do you have into you that you can pour inside of this? Because what happens is love begins to break down that wall that keeps whatever it is that God has for you from you. When you can pour love into that thing over and over, what ends up happening is is eventually what's going to take place is, is that thing either has to say, you know what, I'm going to receive that love. And then turn back and reciprocate that love. Oh, you know what? I'm going to resist that love altogether. I'm going to walk away from that. We have to come to a point that we realize that if we want our church to change, if we want our families to change, if we want our jobs to change, if we want our community to change, if we want our country to change, we have to change. We have to do so in love. I mean, I can't tell you enough how sadden I am that that young man is going to prison, that, he, that something happened in his mind, that something happened spiritually with him, that he was so jacked up that he hadn't experienced God's love. And as a result of him not experiencing God's love, he didn't love himself enough that he wouldn't make the decisions that he made. And the fact that he didn't love himself enough caused him to not love someone else enough to keep from doing wrong. But it all starts with having a love for God. You're no good to yourself or anyone else if you don't have a love for God. People that don't love God don't love you. It takes more to love God than just to know God. See, loving God is saying, God, I thank you for your sacrifice, and because you made that sacrifice, I'm going to accept it. And as a result of that, I'm going to love you the way that you want to be loved. How does God want to be loved? He wants us to worship him. He wants us to honor him. He wants us to be a living, walking example of who he is. He wants us to be the representation of Jesus Christ through our own life. That's the way that God, that's God's love language. God is looking for some acts of service. He's looking for us to commit you know what if we if we could really embody that it's a scripture in the text that says that we live vicariously through Christ Jesus what that means is the only reason that we have life that we have is because of the fact that we are living as a result of Jesus Christ that's the only reason that we have the life that we have if we could wake up every day and just say to ourselves as we look in the mirror today I'm Jesus if we could just do that every day today I'm I'm Jesus Some of us would check what we say. Some of us would check what we text. We might need to bring those braces back. WWJD, what would Jesus do? So that we can realize that today, I'm Jesus. Means that Jesus' whole responsibility was to share the gospel, to tell somebody else about God. So if you're Jesus today, then guess what you need to be doing? Sharing somebody about the kingdom giving them an opportunity to accept Christ. Jesus' whole thing was to recover sight to the blind, to heal the sick. So if you're Jesus, what should you be doing? You should be right there praying for people, believing that God is going to make a change in their life. Jesus gave to the people that didn't have nothing, without expecting anything back in return. So if you're Jesus, what should you do? Freely I give because freely I receive. We have to get to a point where we realize the life that we live is not our own. It's God's life. It's hard because we're here and our flesh is weak. It's hard because everybody else is pulling us in every different way. But the truth of the matter is if we found a way to bond together in love, to serve God's will and love, you will be amazed at what we could achieve. You'll be amazed at how God helps us overcome obstacles after obstacles because of the fact that he knows that we love him and he loves us. I can't help but to think about the time when Jesus Christ was being baptized by John the Baptist. And the Bible says after he baptized him, the Holy Spirit transcended upon him like a dove. And God opened the windows of heaven and said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. I don't know about you, but I am living for the day that God is saying, well done, my good and faithful servant. I'm looking for the day that God says, man, your love was so on top. You you or man, you showed people my love like it was nothing. That's what makes it easy for me to do what I have to do. Because I love God, and God has taught me how to love myself. And now that I love myself, my whole life is built off of encouraging other people to get to the same point I am. And the only way I can get them there is through love. I can't sit here and beat them down and talking about this is going to burn you in hell. I can explain to you what the Bible says is right and wrong. And if I, but if I can teach you how to love yourself and love God, then you wouldn't make some of the decisions that you made. I believe if somebody would have taught that young man how to love God and how to love himself, he wouldn't have never driven that car into those crowds of people. That day, this nothing that we just experienced wouldn't have never happened. There are many people that are in power in different places that don't operate in love. From this day forward, I challenge you to operate in love, to be a living, walking example. You are Jesus. So what would Jesus do? What matters most to God? Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for this opportunity to worship